Welcome to the Go Podcast, <laughs> where we say go. go. Where we play the game, go. Yeah. And we say go a lot. Yes. Go. Go, go, go. Go. And we also love the Go-Go's. We, uh-huh. It's... And Go-Go Boots. <laughs> go-Go Boots. Yeah. Go-Go Dancers. Which Everything. the Go-Go Boots, I think, are named after the Go-Go Dancers. I, th- I believe I think so. that's where that comes from. I believe. Yeah, a little cultural history there for you. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. We're so knowledgeable. We're so, so, yeah. <laughs> welcome, 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 one and all, to Pop DNA. To our final episode of our Lovecraft Country series. It's been a Lovecraftian time, let me tell you. It ya. has been. It has also just not felt like spooky season. Yeah. It's been it kind of ha- weird. Because it's been like 80 degrees in October. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not, that's not okay with me. No, I really, I was writing my congressman about it. Like, I'm just really I, upset. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your congressman? <laughs> See, I walked myself into it. I, have, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Marilyn Strickland. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. For Tacoma. Yeah. yeah. The two bad three. Okay. Um, (laughs) Welcome to us. Welcome to me. (laughs) We talked about that movie last week, didn't we? I think we did. Yeah. Just like randomly. Um, Yeah, because uh, we do this segment now where we talk about what we're currently watching. What we're currently watching. I think it's pretty fun. Yeah, what, are you Rhonda- what are you watching, Aaron? Or were you going to got- ask me what I was watching? Yeah, because I love your <laughs> your recommendations. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> what am I? Okay. Well, I can I can do my my recommendations. Yeah. Like okay. So I um did I talk about Rosalind last week? I don't know if I had watched it yet last week. I, I think you mentioned did it, mention but I don't it? know that you like went in. I think you expressed interest, okay. but I don't think that you went into gotcha. it. Gotcha. Yeah. So I um I may have already watched it last week. Yeah. I don't remember. But I <laughs> I have since rewatched it and um I I have been like doing a little bit of like analysis. Fun. On it as like a as a Romeo and Juliet retelling, and with Romeo and Juliet as kind of like, uh, like a mythic or like monomyth story, and what yeah. Rosalind does with that. yeah, it's I, I, I've, I've, I've been doing that that nerdy stuff. So I love it. Yeah. So what's, <laughs> is it is it cutting the mustard or is it kind of falling I, so, flat? How do you feel? Um. So I I think the movie is really good. And yeah. yeah, and I really liked it. I think that it's it's like a complete like it's a the movie Rosalind is like a different tone and has a different purpose in terms of storytelling than the yeah. original play of Romeo and Juliet. So like there I I had to kind of like wrap my head around that before okay. I could like but like, it's good though. Like, to, <laughs> it's not like I had to talk myself into liking it. Like, that's okay. not what I like am meaning to imply at all. Um, no, it was just different. It was just a different kind of uh, 
storyline, right? Like it's just yeah, different. like it's just. And I I feel like most reception that I've seen of it has been really positive. Like review yeah. all the reviews I've seen, like people love it. So yeah, and it's and it's true. It's good. Yeah, Caitlin Deaver is great. And, yeah, and yeah, go watch Rosalind. Well, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I, also. <laughs> I've also, uh, I have started my Game of Thrones rewatch. How's it going? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, it's fine. Uh-huh. No. What have yeah. you been watching? <laughs> uh, I, I will, I will say that I tried to rewatch that first episode and I like, the beginning kind of like I just couldn't get into it again but obviously There's, I've watched okay. the whole thing were there always so many scenes with like Varys and Littlefinger and all these characters that we don't care about just talking to each other that's about what I was wondering stuff? too why is there so much of that <laughs> do you know what I did is I fast forwarded to I realized I never finished the whole thing so I fast forwarded to season 5 after the beach blanket being episode and so I'm like watching those anew because I haven't done that yet because I I couldn't get past like the the fake prosthetic head of the first episode and I really like wait the prosthetic head what there was like like someone died in the very beginning sorry nerds I I really have watched this show but wait Ned Stark's head when they yeah when they've like put it up on the oh and they put it up on the on the the spike. I just watched this episode. They put it up on uh-huh. the spike, and Joffrey uh-huh. makes Sansa look at it. I'm like, dude, what? that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> but also, tis the season where I want that kind of thing. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't I have... know what I was expecting to feel okay. during this rewatch, but this is not it. <laughs> So what were you when you first had, because I know you and I were talking about how we both wanted to do a rewatch. Yeah. And what like, what itch was that scratching for you? What did you want? What were your expectations going in? I think it's because I am really liking House of the Dragon. Yeah. And I had this like, I also kind of had like this whole, um, uh, like fascination with like prequel media because like House of the Dragon is a prequel and like uh, Rings of Power is sort sort of functioning as a prequel okay. and then like Andor is really good and it's technically a prequel and it's a yeah. prequel to a prequel. So I <laughs> was like, <laughs> I was like, I I think um of those three like Game of Thrones it had been the longest since I had since I had seen Game of Thrones, you know, as opposed to like Lord of the Rings or like other Star yeah. Wars media. Um, sure. So I was like, oh, I want to refamiliarize myself with this and kind of like see if I can see where House of the Dragon is leading in the context of, of you know, the original, like um, the, the media that it's a prequel to, right? Um, yeah. So that was like all I really had in mind. Um, sure. But I don't know. I don't know what's happening to my emotions or to my yeah. <laughs> to my critical thinking skills. Well, 
uh, as well, I'm it's a- rewatching Game of Thrones. <laughs> I think it's about that time when you're just about to graduate, where you're mm. you go kind of wonky a little bit. Oh no! <laughs> it's just been like a little bit long that you've been, like. It starts to just feel like, oh man, what have we done? Yeah, oh no! Kinda... <laughs> <laughs> Is that what's that? Oh my gosh! I'm about to graduate. You're about to graduate. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. I forgot. Um, you're so... <laughs> you're welcome. I can also sign it, mine it, and, and Morse code it. Okay, can you send a raven? Um, mm-hmm. Also, also, Bran is so little in I season know. one. He's just a little baby. He's just a little like, baby. <laughs> oh, I don't think I appreciated that the first time. Yeah, like sure. what a little child. And Arya too is very. I think. Yeah. I think um, Maisie Williams is just like kind of a short human, so she like. Sure. Appears a littler than she, but yeah, like she's also just like a little baby. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Did you start your rewatch? I haven't. I, why did I stop? I don't even know. I think, oh, I think I started watching comfort things instead. Like I started, this is shameful to admit to everyone, but I started a Grace and Frankie rewatch. Oh, why is that shameful? <laughs> because it just feels like compared with like the deep analysis that you're doing, I'm like, Grace and Frankie. No, but I can That's back it up because <laughs> and like the strong uh the strong female identifying leads in that show are just so much fun to watch. Like you got June Diane Raphael. You got um, Brooklyn Decker, and then obviously um, Jane Fonda and um, the goddess Lily Tomlin, and they it's just to... has Dolly Parton ever been a guest star? <gasps> they should nine to oh, five sh- reunion. Hello, they should have made that happen, right? Like, how did they? Maybe she because yeah. I know she passed, so maybe she had been like sick. Wait. We're gonna have to cut this because Dolly Parton's what? alive. Dolly Parton's, Dolly Parton's alive. alive. I'm like, like what? Like... What are you talking about? I don't know why I thought Dolly Parton died. Oh my Sorry. good! My heart stopped for a moment. Oh, no. I was like, "What? She did?" Sorry, Dolly. No, I, <laughs> I really do so love worried. you. I just we're worried about you, Dolly. Oh, but I love her. Why wasn't she on the She's show so then? Because I think that's the only. I think I. St- thought that because i couldn't think of another reason she hadn't been on grace and frankie yet um Mm. it's just a fun watch it also is one of those shows that kind of feels like you're watching um target the store like it just feels like you're walking around the aisles of target as you watch it um do they do like product placement or like or um or like the one episode of do you remember this episode of the mindy project where like mindy has like (laughs) Just moved into, I think, like, she just moved into the the apartment next door to Danny. Yeah. And he comes over and he has, like, these branded Target tote bags. And he's yeah. like, here, I picked you up some things from Target. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, okay, yeah. And she just, like, leaves the bags there. Like, she doesn't... <laughs> Oh, that was so good. That's a real subtle, you guys. Good job. Real subtle. <laughs> super, super subtle. Um, yeah, it kind of feels like that. 
And then I think every week I'm probably going to have some sort of a reality TV show for you. But I've been, Ooh. I hadn't seen the most recent series of Great British. So that's been fun. That's most another recent comfy, season of what? Uh, Great British Bake Off. Oh, yeah. Um, ha- yeah. Did yeah. you hear about um, Mexican Week, though? Like, what? No. Uh, yeah. I hadn't gotten there. Be prepared for that. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. The f- <laughs> my favorite former host also has a new Netflix show that feels, like, super problematic mm. that I just saw last night. It's like... Her words, not mine, are that she's, like, going to the most dangerous parts of Latin America and, like, seeing if she can survive. And as I was reading this, I was like, this is... That's... This is so deeply problematic. I don't understand how this was greenlit. Oh, my gosh. And, like, I even... I looked for the saving grace in it. I looked for, like, what was I, like, maybe misreading. No, it just feels really, really problematic. So there's that. Just a whole big stereotype yep is what the show yep. is based on cool great Love no that. yeah great mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> brand new series in 2022 great <laughs> in the year of our lord 2022 we're still <sighs> doing the microaggression stereotype yeah thing cool so and obviously um, i've also <laughs> been watching gordon ramsay but oh yeah, Kitchen Nightmares. Mm-hmm. My love language. I rewatched the Amy's Baking Company Kitchen <laughs> Nightmares on YouTube like once a month. <laughs> oh my goodness, that woman! Wow, 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 wow. Uh, I love her. So should we? <laughs> we are just uh, fifteen minutes in here, and we're. Um, and you're we, maybe we, it. I think what we're finding is that we just need to do a like a white man podcast where you just talk about random stuff the whole time. Sure. Yeah. Um <laughs> I mean some episodes that's what this is. <laughs> yeah. I mean no, we usually have no. a focus though. Like No, of course. I'm we, kidding. We always have we're focused. Yeah. Uh, somewhat. <laughs> so nah. <laughs> Um, yes. And this week we're going to try to, we're going to hopefully be like a little more light, a little more fun mm-hmm. than the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Um, when we, we discussed, you know, some pretty heavy, pretty serious topics the last couple yeah. of weeks, but this week we're just going to talk about like monsters. So like monsters, <laughs> that's fun. And then I really am excited to hear from you about Death of the Author. Yeah. Yeah. Just a fun little, uh, it's like a a nice little like mid 20th century literary criticism theory. I love it. That's fun. Okay. (laughs) So. Rhea, tell me about the, tell me about the, the monsters and the Cthulhu mythos. And how we want... see them in Lovecraft Country. I'm excited. Yay! So I wanted to start. Some of these are not specifically in the show, but um, so I include kind of like some of the gods within this mythos as well, just because I think that's kind of a driving factor. Even if they're not on screen, maybe they're a little bit like influencing um, the action. And then I also have some of the monsters that we do see. Uh, the location, the um, Arkham, Massachusetts, 
And then I also found these great interviews about how, like, making these monsters felt truly felt ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and that, like, the process was kind of uh, trial and error to make them actually scary. Because I think that was kind of an issue. So, um, and did they succeed? Who knows? Because, like, I don't they know. They could end up looking a little bit like Muppets, you know? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and who's afraid of a Muppet? Like, I mean, Kermit is truly terrifying, but, but you know, yeah. Um, fun fact, I have a Kermit plushie that I, I sleep with every night. Anyway, um, so I'll start us with the Elder Things. You gotta quote a fandom wiki, right? Especially oh, when yeah. you're not really part of the fandom. Uh-huh. Um, so... The Elder Things are described as gray-colored, barrel-shaped entities. Um, Their central mass displays five vertical ridges between which wing-like membranes unfold. Just kind of real creepy, right? And real, like, if you're thinking of a Lovecraft monster, and you'll see this come up as a choice that they didn't go with in the show is that a Lovecraft monster is going to be kind of viscous. It's kind of mm. going to be kind of slimy and gross. Yeah. 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 Less muscular and more like, like Less wings. Muppet-like. <laughs> yeah. Are you a man or a Muppet or are you an elder <laughs> thing? I don't know. And then they have like five flexible arms and of course tentacles are present. But what I don't like about the elder things is that it says that they have small tentacles, which just creep me out even worse. Like you So they're like a-, a large So like their tentacles are small in comparison to their body. Is that what that means? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's creepy. I don't like that. <laughs> no, I don't I, so it, so so far it has like ridges, like ruffles. It has like ruffles has ridges on its body. And then it has some like I imagine it almost as like like an accordion a little bit with these wing-like mm. membranes and then it has some real creepy small tentacles. Um and that's not even the end. It also has like a bulbous <laughs> neck. Um that's almost like starfish like which hmm. that's when it turns okay. that's when it gets a little bit more like pokemon to me uh-huh. um i'm also thinking of like the demogorgon in stranger yeah. things sure like that hmm i wonder if that's like based on something sure lovecraftian yeah i don't know huh um, i guess we gotta we gotta talk about stranger things I'm always talking about that show. <laughs> um, and I think the creepiest thing about this for me is that on top of its head is like a mouth. So we have all this creepy like accordion stuff going on. And then there's just like a mouth on top. So it's more like I imagine it like it doesn't really have a, a concrete head. And it's really just the mouth is kind of jutting out. And I don't like it. Mm. <laughs> I'm not a, not a fan. But the elder things. Not a fan um, of the, of the mouth head. The, the, or the he- head mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! And the elder things too um, are kind of in line with the deities that we'll get to. In- well, actually, maybe we'll go to the deities next, and then we'll get to the the things that we see. So the Shoggoth and. 
things like that. So we have, and I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but Azathoth is one of the central deities and very much like the ruler of outer gods. So that like it's described as the primordial chaos. Mm. Um, so kind of, so kind of, we think of like the primordial ooze or the primordial chaos, like the, like protozoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, like... so just very like <laughs> again viscous, not really like muscular or like strong, but kind of just like a, like, a, like a like a blobfish. Ew. Yeah. Um, I love blobfish. They're so cute. <laughs> I I I do when they're not in Lovecraft. Um, mm. Okay. Fair enough. And like. Azathoth, uh, oh god, it's... Azathoth. Azathoth. Um... Azathoth, I just thought that we <laughs> would... <laughs> Sorry. No, I love it. And <laughs> Azathoth works really closely with Nyarla Totep. Um, oh, hey, that's the one I am when I take That's the you! <laughs> so, that's kind of like... Um, that one enacts the will of the outer gods. Um, so kind of like acts as a messenger between um, Azathoth and then the other uh, gods. But I think there's, I mean, I'm only talking about one god and I think there's many, many, many of them. So those are kind of your, your, your gods. And there's very much like a through line for all of this is that if you look upon them or if you're close to them, uh, like you might not be, you might no longer be able to fathom your reality. Like looking at, looking upon any of these things might make it so that nothing else makes sense to you. That kind of thing. Mm. Um, which is something we see in a lot of mythologies, I think. Yeah. Um, or I was thinking of, uh, have you seen the movie Bird Box with Sandra <gasps> Where yeah. like, you can't look at the alien because it like makes you like like causes you to like I don't know, yeah, like, short circuits your brain or something. Yeah, yeah I love that's what, that. That's movie. what I thought. Of. <laughs> it's an interesting um, movie. Yeah, I think in terms of like how it explains what the mind might feel like with diff- with like depression or anxiety or different like mania, I think it I think it's fascinating. Um, mm. I read an article about it and I was like, oh, you guys. But anyway. <laughs> so and then from there, we can go to the Shagath or the Shagath, depending on who you're speaking to. Um, Shag and goth is how the I shag- the shagging goth. to think of it. <laughs> the goths that are engaging with one another in that mm. particular way. <laughs> The shagging. That's now. That sh- just sounds like, like a pub in England. The shagging. Yes, goth. it does. <laughs> totally does. Ah, uh, the shagging goth. And, <laughs> oh, oh no. Um. So again, described by um described by the author, the original um. The Shagath is described as a formless protoplasm able to mock and reflect all forms and organs and processes, viscous agglutinations of bubbling cells, 
rubbery 15-foot spheroids, infinitely plastic and ductile. So again, viscous and bubbling and and, mm, gross. Um, (laughs) And we'll get into kind of how that differs from the from the actual uh, designs that they used. Um, But I did also just want to look at um, the setting. So Arkham, Massachusetts. Um, And Arkham is a fictional town where Lovecraft set just a great deal of his work. And in Lovecraft's country, our name of the city is Artem. So they just changed it just a little bit. Um, I see what they're doing. (laughs) I see what they did there. Um, and Lovecraft had, I mean, what else happened in Massachusetts, obviously based off of Salem, um, tying it to the witch trials, which I actually Mm. thought was interesting because like, like when I think of the viscous monsters and even the way like a Lovecraft story goes, it doesn't sound the same to me as like what I think of when I think of the witch trials and that kind of... Thing. so that's well, I, that's yeah. that is really interesting because i think that goes back to like something that we talked about in our um when we talked about uh chilling adventures of sabrina that that idea that like anything like any fiction that is set in the united states if there's some kind of like supernatural or like spooky thing going on a lot of the time it gets traced back to Salem and the Salem witch yeah. trials for for some reason i think that's right. just like so embedded in our like in our cultural consciousness as americans that like we just automatically associate salem salem witch yeah. trials with anything that's like remotely you know spooky or right. <laughs> or like yeah. witchy i guess <laughs> yeah it's really it's, it's re- yeah i think when i read that it was a bit that his work had kind of also used salem yeah i was just kind of like okay i mean i guess that's kind of uh-huh. <laughs> like whatever um well and like even um like um agatha from uh from WandaVision. Yeah. Like in in the comics, like she originally was like a witch in Salem, right? Like it's just Right. Like yeah. why is that like the American right. like shorthand for I don't know. It's weird, right? It is. Yeah. yeah, it's really weird. And like and sure, Lovecraft also goes to like the other one is Portsmouth, which um gets used in a bunch of bunch of his town uh, his wow (laughs) (laughs) he uses Portsmouth (laughs) in a bunch of his writing which is another um town in like a dock city in um, Massachusetts Uh um and because a lot of his stuff has to do with um like being near a shipping dock and like Mm -hmm. that kind of story to like nautical I guess is a theme there um the sea the sea- yes exactly um yeah so i just thought that was interesting and then we get to kind of my favorite part the fun part is kind of what happened as they were um kind of trying to make these monsters so 
the first thing that they kind of realized um, as as they were working together to create what the monsters would look like in Lovecraft Country was that this viscous kind of blob thing wasn't really going <laughs> to suit their needs, right? Like, it didn't have much of a way to, like, get around um, from what I was gathering from the interviews was, like, they needed something with some muscle, with some, like... I guess, ability to um, interact in a way that they could kind of um, recreate. They talked a lot about needing to um, have have stand-ins or green screen actors be able to move in a similar way. And you're just not going to get that with like an amoeba. <laughs> it's just not maybe going to be as fun. Um, and so they used, um, they had to specifically hire six uh humans who were six feet and over in order mm-hmm. to to do this work because they needed the like monsters the to be larger. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, interesting. And they needed them to like in some of the interviews I read, they even needed like people to work together as the monster instead of oh. maybe just one standalone person. Again, just to get that sight line and maybe some of the arms and stuff too and where they might be reaching out to um and there were a lot of fun creatures that they <laughs> that they pulled from. So they looked at the naked mole rat. <laughs> they looked at the translucent fish. Um, naked mole rat just reminds me of Kim Possible. <laughs> oh, of course. He had a rap and everything. It was good. Um, <laughs> Kim and so, Possible, Kim, call me, the, me if you want to reach me, I if you want to page me, it's okay. Yeah. Christina Milian, you know, now yes. now star of Netflix. Now star of Netflix. <laughs> She's coming for Hudgens. She's gonna <laughs> She's gonna unseat Hudgens. She, she's gonna. It's, it's the bracket this year. It's gonna be tricky. And then Lindsay Lowen's coming in. From I know. The bottom. What is what is why is Lindsay Lowen in an in a okay that no, that actually makes sense. But also <laughs> Buffy's husband is going to be in a Netflix Christmas movie. And I'm like, okay, so he's doing that. Then why couldn't he have a cameo when he's all that? Like, I mean, yeah. What was he busy? What was he so busy doing that he. (laughs) The original love of my life. When I was in like third grade, I thought he was the prettiest human I'd ever see. It's like (laughs) Freddie Prince Jr. (laughs) It's, Sorry, we're in for I interrupted a good ho- <laughs> No, we're in for a good holiday season. The Netflix holiday the cinematic universe is my well, great, um, the great my great white whale. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something we care a whole lot about here at Pop DNA. We really mm-hmm. we're invested. We're deeply invested. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what so, were we go go on? <laughs> So, yeah, if we're looking at, like, the skin of the Shoggoth, they were looking at naked mole rats and translucent fish. And then sharks were used to get the eyes and teeth right. So Mm. you got your naked mole rat, you got your translucent fish, you got your shark. It's good. Um, And 
alas, <laughs> the original monster that they came up with. They, they like formulated this for months and for like a really long time and were really, really, really intentional. The interview was like, we really took the time and really thought about what we wanted this thing to look like. And as they got it to the actors for the first time, everyone just started laughing and it looked <laughs> like Kermit the Frog. So... <laughs> So back to the drawing board. Uh, <laughs> and then that's kind of when they started to make it even more muscular. They started looking specifically to the mole claw, to like mole claws to get that digging motion. Um, and they started looking at the teeth of anglerfish to Ooh, make them even creepier. Those are creepy. Which, they're super creepy. And then this is where the choice was made, too, that the monsters would be um, kind of dwelling and moving underground. So there was almost like a um, like a sensation that the teeth, the anglerfish and the shark teeth were were like chewing through the ground in this kind of like sawing motion as these these big claws went through it so kind of like mm. a um not i what am i trying to think of like not a battering <laughs> ram but like a like have you ever seen someone like trying to dig through uh like a like an architect or someone like trying to dig through the ground. One of those machines that probably have a name mm. that I can't think of. Um, probably just a <laughs> drill, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> but they they made that decision because, uh, again, that viscousness wasn't really working. Um, and then I really liked this quote, too. They said uh, when... Uh, Grant Walker, the VFX specialist, said, when it bites people's heads off, we wanted to expel, expel blood through its gills. Ooh. So I had to think of what was happening in the mouth that could possibly cause that to happen. Um, so that's kind of where they went to, like, the many, um, many creepy rows of teeth and kind of the anglerfish. And so kind of marrying that uh, viscosity to mm -hmm. the... Um, muscular and that's 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 my time <laughs> um, oh okay yeah um. <laughs> i think i think just any time we're thinking about creating monsters it's funny to see like what combinations of animals work together and what mm. don't and kind of i would imagine that this whole process must have been kind of hilarious at times mm -hmm. when like this is really creepy and yeah. this is really creepy and this is really creepy and then you put them all together and it's like huh eh. <laughs> <laughs> kind well, of like kind the toys like... oh go ahead oh just like the toys in toy story like sid's mm -hmm. toys <laughs> yeah that's what oh I yeah except those actually were creepy they were real <laughs> creepy <laughs> but it's kind of like it sounds like it kind of like it kind of like broke the immersion maybe mm -hmm. for like, like on the set, like it kind of like broke the fourth wall in a way yeah. because it wasn't matching up with like their expectation of like, this yeah. is supposed to be totally. And I, interesting. <laughs> I can see how it would be really hard as an actor if you're really in it and then you see like Kermit the Frog walking by and you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah. Is happening? Yeah. <laughs> Why is there Kermit the Frog? <laughs> <laughs> I love um, his work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love his work. I, he was, okay. The Kermit the Frog was my first celebrity crush. 
Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a good guy. He's, yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but I, so like, I, I think it's really interesting that you brought up the point about how like the, like the actors would be like laughing <laughs> like, yeah. on the set. Like they're like laughing at, um, like they got all of it out of their system so that they could actually like perform the scene yeah (laughs) but i do think that that like that idea of like breaking our immersion with a story or like acknowledging that there's like something like outside of the story that we're experiencing yeah in a way is like so fascinating yeah um and i think that that kind of that does relate to like the idea of like death of the author because that's like it's very much a concept about like meta text and like how we immerse in stories and in fiction. So yeah, that's, I think that's like a really interesting uh, like thing to bring up in that context. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I did actually want to talk about death of the author. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I like, I think that this is a concept that, comes up a lot when talking about the works of H.P. Lovecraft because, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and like with any, you know, with any author or any artist whose works are, you know, very popular and very well loved, but who we know that the artist themselves is a terrible person, right? And like, how do you... yeah like how you kind of reconcile that. And I think that people bring up death of the author sort of as like a justification for how they can still enjoy these works. Um, But I think that that's like, it's, that's a very like simplistic and like overly simplistic and kind of inaccurate way of understanding death of the author. So I wanted to like get into what death of the author really means yeah. And also maybe kind of explore if there is a way that we can enjoy artistic works that were made by terrible right. people. Right. I yeah. I don't know what your feelings on that are. But... I think it's really hard, right? Because, like, especially in a case where, like, you were ignorant to it or, like, mm-hmm. um, or the person hadn't kind of expelled the hatred or anything yet and then they all of a sudden let it rip and you're just kind of left with like oh um but I do think it's really hard to reconcile that and I don't know that I've been able to if I'm being honest with Mm -hmm. um with some of the works that I know you're going to talk about um it's it was kind of like a moment of stepping back for me I think um yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah. How? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll just start out with like a more kind of working definition of what death of the author actually is. And yeah. then we can kind of work from there. So yeah. this is a concept from mid 20th century literary criticism. Um, so this holds that. So the author's intentions and sort of biographical information about their life, so like their politics or their religion or, you know, country of origin, anything like that, holds no special weight 
in determining an interpretation of their work. Yeah. So that's usually understood to mean that a writer's own views about their work that are like, that don't exist within the work itself. So like their views that, that they hold outside of the work are no more or less valid than the interpretation of any given reader. So it's kind of the idea that like, once the author puts this book, puts this work out into the world, like they don't have any more of a right of ownership over it than sure. Like than you know, any reader would have. Um, so the logic behind it is just that like, books are meant to be read and so like the ways that we interpret them are just as real as the author's intentions so yeah yeah um so we should note that that death of the author does not mean that like there's no such thing as like canon consistency within a fictional work um, like there definitely is canon consistency in fictional works. It's not, that's not what that means. And it also doesn't mean that a creator's real life opinions or behavior should have no bearing on whether people yeah. spend money on or enjoy those works. Sure. So death of the author is just proposing that questions that are not explicitly answered by the text of the work cannot simply be resolved by just saying, well, this was the author's intention. If it's not in the text, then it's still open to interpretation, basically. Um, So, (laughs) I, I, are we, okay. She who must not be named. I, I don't Uh even, (laughs) I don't even, like, feel like we, Okay, yeah. well, we, we can talk about it. But, like, no, I, we all know who you're talking about. We all know who I'm talking about. I am not a Harry Potter fan, so I have never had any kind of like emotional turmoil about yeah. <laughs> reconciling. But, like, the author of those books, you know, has is a terrible person. Like, has even, yeah. like, I think quite recently has made statements that show her. Um, the terrible views, the terrible harmful views that she has. Um, Yeah. So like, I think that death of the author is again, a concept that people use to try to justify their continued support of that book series and movie series. Um, Yeah. And I, they're, they're, so I'm not saying that you can't still enjoy those things, but if you're using death of the author to justify it, you're using death of the author incorrectly, right? So like death of the author would apply more to like when this this particular author has like made statements about uh-huh. the world of the books that she uh-huh. created. Like she makes a statement that's not at all evident in no. the original text, but no. she just makes this declarative statement about it that, you know, a certain character has a certain identity. Um, and yeah. like under death of the author, we wouldn't have to accept that as canon because it's not in the text. So I think that's 
more where death of the author would apply. So, but yeah, I just, I mean, that's probably like the most prominent example. I feel like it's a tired example, but it's the most like relevant, I guess. (laughs) Well, it's a good entry point because we all like everyone's heard of that controversy right Mm, you know like mm -hmm. so it's a good uh it's a good doorway i think um yeah to kind of step into this Um, right yeah um that whole thing felt like like a divorce in a family to me like those books were my childhood and then when all of that came out it just like i still have unreconciled like really big emotions about it like I'm sitting here feeling the same as I might feel if like I was estranged by a family member you know like it's ah it's awful and I and I do kind of understand because like I have that same kind of connection with other books that I read as a child not with these ones but with other books and if I you know found out that these books that I have a deep connection with that the that the author was a horrible person I would feel the same way I'm sure um but I also um I think with the with those books in particular I think it is important that within the text itself there's a lot of problematic material as well absolutely and like that even if you are are wanting to, you know, say death of the author, I can still enjoy this. You're still like, and again, I'm not making a moral judgment here, but I'm just saying like you're still enjoying a work that contains material that is harmful to certain people. So, and that's where it had to stop for me. Right, is that that's really where, like, yeah that that's where the hard line was for me that like yes this is not something that i can support anymore you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 so what do we do with and hp lovecraft then right yeah. right right. <laughs> right um because like i've never i i've never read um any lovecraft work but as I understand it, it also, like, the work itself also contains harmful material. Um, and from what I understand, too, there are also, like, specific stories that, like, maybe it isn't noticeable in a few of them, but then there are some that are, like, deeply. Um, so, it, like, I've I've read that, like... There are some where you might not notice it, and then there are some where it's like, oh, no, this is blatant within mm-hmm. this text. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did want to note, like, with Lovecraft Country in particular, um, like, as far as the question of, like, how do we still, you know, like, how how can we still enjoy or how can we maybe, like, transform or reconcile these harmful works by harmful people in a way that we can enjoy them. And that kind of transcends the harm that they originally did. Um, And I think with Lovecraft country, that is what it's attempting to do like very deliberately Um, there. um, There's a refinery 29 article that I found in this research that um, 
interviewed Misha Green, who is the showrunner of Lovecraft Country. Yeah. And um, I thought this had, like, a really great insight from her on um, – from her and also kind of incorporating what the book Lovecraft Country is doing. Um, So this says, Green is careful not to praise Lovecraft or his work. She says, I think it was that thing that Matt, Matt Ruff, who's the author of the book, was doing that I was really intrigued about, which is this idea of reclaiming it and not saying that we're going to honor all of your contributions to this genre, and there are many, But we're going to take that, we're going to acknowledge who you are as a person as well, and we're going to move forward. Right. Which I thought was so, like, such a great way of looking at it. Yeah. Um... So the article goes on to note that Green used Ruff's book as a jumping off point. Um, So she sees, she saw the possibilities when transferring the novel to television. Um, The TV format allowed her to make a, (laughs) I love this, a Goonies style episode, Um, (laughs) sci-fi, mystery, ghost story, and sort of reclaim all of those storytelling styles for characters who have typically died in those stories you know there's it's such a like stereotype that like in horror stories or in horror movies like the black character always dies right yeah um um she also adds one of the reasons i love horror is so much or so much is when it's done well you can keep peeling away the layers and see something new every time um so yeah yeah so this kind of concludes with saying green series overturns lovecraft's exclusionary racist world and designs one that is just as scary she is helping create a new path in the sci-fi horror genre where lovecraft and his small-minded prejudice beliefs are thankfully no longer welcome yeah so yeah i really love that and i um I think a couple weeks ago, I kind of brought in um, some perspectives that I had read that were kind of critiquing the way that Lovecraft country um, portrays um, black characters in horror. But I also did like, I think this, you know, is an example of at least a better, a better way to, to explore works that you know, we find problematic things in. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but before um, before we talk about the quiz, I also wanted <laughs> to mention, um, I think this still kind of fits in with our, like, death of the author, transcending, transcending the original works kind of uh, context. Um, so there's actually, like, I, I guess there's actually there's like tons of uh, tabletop RPGs that are based on the work of Lovecraft. Oh, so many. There's so many. <laughs> um, and I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah. But there's this one that I had recently read about that I especially <laughs> wanted to mention. So this one is called Lovecraft-esque. And it's been around for a little while. I think it's it's uh, 2015 is when it first came out. So, um, and it like started on Kickstarter. So um, <laughs> I thought this was great. So the creators, 
So like this is a quote from an article about it. So the creators are part of a newly emergent coterie of designers that are uncovering new ways to use Lovecraft as an artistic lens. Um, so Becky Anison and Joshua Fox are who created it. Um, so they carefully selected from the conventions built into their medium of choice tabletop role playing games to create the most inclusive experience possible. They also yeah. took special care with the act and other aesthetic content or the art, excuse me, I can't read and other aesthetic content endeavoring to provide an experience that rejects the ableist and racist tropes that pervade the original canon of Lovecraft. Yeah. And they also provide guidelines for constructing players own Lovecraftian clues and monsters, which strongly encourage players to devise their own horrors. And this gives Ooh. players a deeper investment in the game as they can integrate their own voices in unique ways and experience horrors and more personal and germane than Lovecraft could ever have imagined on their behalf. So I love that they're taking this like, this is another way that that people are taking this work that was very exclusionary and very like harmful and they're transforming it into something that's positive and that can be like the basis of like a communal group um, yeah which, which like i'm sure lovecraft would be like rolling over in his grave if he <laughs> knew about this and i love that <laughs> yeah yeah it kind of makes me want to try to play that game i don't know there's a whole lot of really great storytelling being done in those kinds of games. Yeah. I think that's such a cool uh, medium for storytelling. And I really, I think that's just yeah. really neat thinking about, well, for, uh, oh, I don't think that my sentence was even going to have an end. Oh, okay. Yeah. You pulled a Michael <laughs> Scott. Um, I did. <laughs> I used to play Good Society, which is the like Jane uh -huh. Austen Regency romance um rpg <laughs> you gotta um, get a fall winter there needs to be like a fall winter cohort so you can do a yeah. winter's ball yeah oh yes of course yeah it was very <laughs> fun like we yeah. we definitely like wrote some like really fun like storylines and yeah that's awesome i love yeah. it we dressed up sometimes it was like everything Aww. was like completely like over zoom because we're all like in different but like we would like dress up <laughs> for I love things. that that's yeah, so great it. it was so fun yeah I bet yeah um <laughs> yeah well we'll take a quiz we did take a quiz who were you oh well I so was... the quiz the quiz that we took was um which Cthulhu mythos deity are you that's what a what this yeah i was cthulhu bitches <laughs> cthulhu. yeah <laughs> what does it say about you <laughs> it said and i quote <laughs> it says bringer of madness and chaos you wait patiently for the time of reckoning Ooh. and make no mistake it will soon be here it's ominous um yeah Oh, and what? then like some what language is that? <laughs> I think that they I think is it I think this is like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like a whole language element to some oh. of the stuff. 
Um, but the translation is <sighs> is Lovecraft in, like a Tolkien kind of? I think so. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> the translation though is in his house of Ryla, dead Cthulhu waits dreaming. Oh my gosh. So this guy's so extra. Like what? <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. That's so ridiculous. Like, dude, uh-huh. go back uh-huh. to your basement. <laughs> like, anyway, I. <laughs> what of who did you get? I um Nyarlothotep. Nyar Nyarlothotep. Nyarlothotep. Is that it? Is that how you say it? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, ambitious and visionary, you seek to corrupt the world. That's true. Through <laughs> through dark arts and powerful minions. Ooh, I hate minions. You don't I was gonna may- say this isn't fitting. You don't like the minions. <laughs> well, I think this is like minions, like not those specific minions, but like in the original oh. sense of minions, which is fine. I'm fine with that. Okay, okay, um, we're good with that. Especially if they're helping me accomplish my goal of corrupting the world. Like, that's fine. Good. Uh, good who good. may operate under the false assumption that you will protect them. <laughs> 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 this sounds like me. And no. where Nyarlathotep went, um, rest vanished, for the small hours were rent with the screams of nightmare. Awesome. Nice. Yes. I'll take it. That's what I should be for Halloween. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be sexy Nyarlathotep. Oh no. (laughs) We should just all be like sexy Cthulhu monsters for Halloween. Can I just be one single tentacle? Like it's just a walking tentacle? Yes. Please do. Like a wacky (laughs) waving inflatable arms man, but just a tentacle. Oh yeah, like the like in Nope. Oh, you could have you you could have a Nope costume, and it would be I the nope. it would just be the inflatable waving man. <laughs> I could be Leslie Nope, so dressed like oh. Leslie Nope, but like the the monster from Nope. <laughs> nope, okay, Leslie. <laughs> Lester Knopf, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm excited for for spooky season. (gasps) Spooky season. Oh, and next week, we're going to have a a a bonus. Bonus. So you'll want to check that out. It's going to be spooky. Spooky. Spooky and ooky. There. There. Creepy and the, I don't know the Adams family. The Adams family, which totally isn't what we're talking about. But I needed. No, to we're not it. talking about the Adams family. Sorry to no. Sorry to get your hopes up. Sorry um. to kind of put that in your in your head. But yeah. okay, yeah. Well, this was fun. Yeah, I hope you learned something. Yeah, or at least we're entertained. <laughs> And I'm really excited for next month's series. Yes, very excited. I think on it'll an be an instant classic. Yeah, I think it'll be a nice uh a nice break from the from the spooky seriousness. Your so hint like, is it's the longest title you've heard in a while. Of, it'll it's kind of spooky ridiculousness. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be good. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right. Yeah. Join us. And have you posted anything on Instagram recently? Aww. I haven't. I should really I post something. I okay. need... I we'll felt, <laughs> do you ever just feel like your life goes off the rails like a crazy train? I oh, just, yeah. that's like this me last, constantly. I feel like this last month has just been like fraught with like <laughs> me dropping all sorts of different mics. So, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. We'll, we'll try to do something. Yes. We'll try somehow yeah but yeah yeah but yeah. but if we don't um we still love you <laughs> so and the intent our intentions are pure our intentions are good <laughs> okay we'll have a good spooky season enjoy your spooky goodbye bye